You know, everyone deep down inside longs to have someone who protects them, guides them, supports them, someone they can actually completely trust. And as we think about our life and we think about how things unfold, uh, there can be people that take some of those roles in our life. Uh, there can be people that sometimes take those roles, and because they're not perfect, they let us down. Uh, but then it all, all, all points to one leader. We're going to say one king, and that's Jesus. And those of us who have said yes to Christ hold on to the anticipation that someday he will set everything right, that someday he will return to the planet and set everything right. There's a lot of uh, thoughts about what that looks like, but the idea that he's going to come back and redeem everything. And someday there will actually be a new heavens and a new earth. And again, what that exactly means, you can have some educated thoughts on that, but the truth that he's coming back. And in the meanwhile, those of us whose bodies wear out or whatever before that day, if we've said yes to Christ, have experienced the forgiveness for our sins, and our sins are our selfishness, and uh, again, we talk about this often, that uh, you don't have to show a kid how to be naughty, if you will, uh, selfish, how to smack one of the other kids. You don't have to go, this is how you're naughty. You know, they just have that inside them, that we need forgiveness for our sins so that we can have a relationship with a holy and perfect God. And rather than writing us all off, he provided a way through his son's death and burial and then resurrection. So all of us deep inside, uh, Solomon talks about this in Ecclesiastes, have eternity set in our heart. There's this incompleteness. Uh, Frank talked a little bit about that. He was, uh, you know, sincerely going through all, I don't want to say motions, but just trying to be a good church person and all of that, and he realized that the one thing that was missing in that equation was a relationship with Christ. So we all have this hole in our heart. Uh, we're all seeking, and we like the little play on words, see the king, you know, that idea. So we're all looking for that. And uh, especially even when we get into all this election stuff, we're looking for a perfect leader. We're looking for someone who's going to do it right all the time. And the reality is that even Israel, if you know the story, when they finally had their second king, King David, and he looked like he was everything they could imagine, he failed in a big way. And it's pretty discouraging. And I mention it often that reading through the kings, it's pretty discouraging. But that discouragement should break through to an anticipation that someday the true king, the right king, the perfect king will step back on the stage of history and everything will change. And in the meanwhile, you and I who have said yes to Christ walk through this life Sometimes feebly, but we walk through this life trying to point to him, try to seek him ourselves as we try to have others 
teaching also. And that's what the mission of a local church is, to engage with the community, to stay true to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, stay true to the, 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 the one God and three persons while we uh, point others in that direction. I'm not going to have you turn here, but as we start to look at 1 Samuel and we start to unpack all of this, I, I want to have you mindful of 400 years of judges. It did not go well. Again, it continued to point to the fact they needed a perfect leader. That every leader, no matter how good they were, and there were some semi-good ones and there were some really bad ones, showed that there needed to be the king of kings. And so as Judges wraps things up, there's a crazy story. I, I encourage you to read it on your own. Some of you are going to read this story in Judges 19 to 21, and you go, wow, I never knew that was in the Bible. Some of you uh, remember it. it. It's just very bizarre, and I'm not going to get into it all right here. But uh, as it starts the story, it says, in those days, Israel has no, had no king. No king. And uh, it's, just, it's just not a, a good, good thing. And then after they tell this crazy, unhinged story showing that there was, there was just no king to follow, no, no person to follow, that the end of Judges says this, in those days again, Israel had no king. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And that's a scary place to be. That you and I, in our own eyes, decide what is right and what is wrong. And it's not to be right or wrong. It's not to be, I'm right, you're wrong. But it's to have the right, wise decisions affecting the trajectory of our own lives and those lives around us. So we want to make good decisions, not just for ourselves, but for those around us. And so this is very dangerous. They, they just did not have a king, someone who was, the, in a sense, the, the lord of their hearts. So they just tried to figure it out. And so as we think about that, we even can go back, and this is election season and, and uh, all of that, and we can get all into this discussion. But it's interesting, even the second president of the United States said this, we have no government armed with power capable of contending with human passions unbridled by morality and religion. In other words, the Constitution, our set of government, if people, and this is going to sound maybe a little arrogant, it's going to sound maybe a little offensive, but when God is removed from the picture and it's just left up to what is right in our own eyes, the government isn't strong enough to keep us all walking in line. And we even look at some other countries like China, for example, and they are on everybody. And uh, their government is poised to control every individual. Our government is not. Our government, our rules are based on the idea that basically most people want to do right things because they understand there's a God that they're responsible to. 
And the minute that just totally leaves the equation, he says this, our constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It's wholly inadequate to the government of any other. And uh, it's an inadequate document if there isn't this idea of moral and religious people. And so we can think about that. The more I read, the more I think about the Constitution and other things, I'm amazed at, at, at what it says and how it says it. But this idea, and this is true for Israel, this is true for any people, that more morality and religion, whatever you're going to say that is, when that is totally absent, uh, society breaks down. Now, we, we don't think of a king and queen that often uh, like we have a king or a queen in our life. We're maybe a little more mindful of it when Queen Elizabeth passed away and uh, saw some of the other uh, Commonwealth uh, countries debating whether they were going to still stay as aligned as they were with that. But, uh, but again, a leader. In Israel's days, it was the idea of a king. So the idea is this, is your king matters. Whoever's the king or whatever is the king of your heart matters. And it has implications for our own life and it has implications for our community's life, our, uh, our country's life, and, and our world's life. Who is the king of your life and, and how are you seeking? And we're going to see as we move through, we're just going to do this for two weeks, then we'll get into Christmas, then we'll be back to um, don't touch this, and then we'll get back to this, we'll alternate back and forth. But we're going to watch as, as uh, Samuel comes online as the last judge, and, and then you see Saul, and then you see David as a king, and how all of that unfolds, and how they're seeking a king, and they think that is the answer. So whatever you seek for stability, satisfaction, and joy, that is your king. Whatever allows you to put your head on your pillow at night and go, ah, and not be worried, whatever that thing is, is your king. Some people are going to sleep tonight dreaming that they win the Powerball and get 1.6 billion zillion trillion dollars. I just added that on there. And uh, that's if they just get that. Last week when we were talking about gaming and ga gambling, and I wanted to put envelopes under every chair and say, by the way, I won, and everybody here gets to go home with a million dollars, and that still leaves me with $150 million for myself, and then just say, give the online people a little hard time, you know, um, sorry, <laughs> you know, but uh, we, we love our online community, but uh, the checks are under the table, but I, I didn't do that, so... But this idea, whatever you rest upon, relax upon, that is your king. That is my king. And uh, even those of us who have said yes to Christ, it's easy to let another king slide in. little thing we say every once around here is, you know, sometimes it's easy to worship the gift, not the gift giver. So those of us who are spiritual people, those of us who uh, think about God, we see God being the gift giver, and then he gives us gifts into our life, and it's very easy to start holding on to the security of some gift rather than the gift giver. And we just have to be very aware of it to stop, slide, 
into that. So as we look into this election season, as we look into Tuesday, people are coming unglued over what the results are going to be. I, I mean, unglued. And there, there are things at stake, but still totally unglued. And as a Christ follower, we trust that God is in control. That doesn't mean we don't engage in our world, but uh, we don't need to come unglued. And I came across this little clip, and uh, it was uh, from four years ago, the last midterm. And uh, so don't get offended by some of the little nuances. Just kind of get captivated by, by the fear with silliness that uh, gets expressed. This Tuesday, November 6th, Democrats are bringing much-needed change to America. There's a blue wave on the horizon, and I have never felt more confident. Democrats are taking back the House. It's a win we need and a win we're going to get. I'm sure of it. And they say don't trust the polls, but I'm choosing to. We're finally going to put this administration in check. Wow, it could be that. Isn't that funny? You could, either side could be saying that, right? And then it goes on a little bit. And once we win, will everything suddenly get better? No. There's still a long, hard road. Kids! Me and all my friends can't wait to vote, so we'll see you at the polls next Thursday. Tuesday. I know, Mom, I'm kidding. It was not funny! So it feels pretty good. We're gonna win! Stay in there! We're gonna win! We got this. Uh... It's funny, you could have done reworked that and said red wave, whatever wave. Right? Come on, we need to be engaged, we need to be aware, but we don't need to despair. Wow, my poet didn't even know it. I can't even remember if I can do that again. We need to be aware, not just whatever. Anyway, you got the idea. That's a one time I'll have to rewind to see how I said that. But anyway, so yesterday uh, we were at a conference, and I hope I got this right because I uh, – heard Dr. Crawford Rich say this, and I wrote it down, and then I said, oh, man, is I got my grammar right. I never had Megan check it, so there could be some risky mistake in this, but uh, this is what he said. He was, he's been a pastor for 40 years and, uh, you know, been on a lot of organizations. Uh, you know, just, just, a, just a keen mind for theological application in the real world, and he's had a powerful life and a powerful ministry, and he continues to, to do that. And uh, this is something of what he said yesterday. Some Christians act like the White House is heaven and the president is God. So if we pull back and we think about what we're resting in, you understand how he says that. And then this will be a little bit pushing buttons, but he said this also. He said, when the church gets in bed with politics, it gets pregnant. And the baby's face doesn't resemble our Heavenly Father. Let that sink. And I'm not saying not to be engaged. I'll actually say this. I've actually got a political sign on my yard. Never done that before. I can tell you who it is. Now everyone's going to be driving by my house. I wonder who he's got out there. <laughs> I live in Waterloo. No. <laughs> not anymore. But uh, there's some truth with that. When the church gets in bed with politics, when that's our savior, 
when that's our answer, you know, that's our complete satisfaction, completing life, it gets pregnant and the baby's face doesn't represent our Heavenly Father and we just need to be really, really aware of that. Jesus says this a different way. Uh, at the resurrection, we're beyond marriage. This is talking about what answers to our life. As with angels, our ecstasies and intimacies then will be with God. And you go, what's that have to do with? We've got to realize that our future is heaven-bound, eternity-bound. And yes, our relationships and our life on this planet, in this season, in this chapter, can be wonderful. They ought to be wonderful. But our ultimate completion as human beings are in the next chapter of life. We talk about our disobedience, our selfishness, our, our sinfulness will be eradicated from our life. I love the thought, and I don't think you sleep in heaven, I don't think you sleep in eternity, but I love the thought of waking up in the morning and not asking the Lord, please help me behave today. Help me not to say the wrong thing, help me not to be selfish, help me not, help me, because it will be done. Done, 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 over. You won't have to ask for that. You will be perfect, holy. You won't have to fight that nature. It will be eradicated. Uh, in, uh, in this fancy word, you'll be in a glorified state. That doesn't mean you'll be getting glory, but that means who you are will point to the glory of Christ throughout eternity. And it's not a celestial, cloudy kind of thing. There's the idea that will be about what God intended creation to be, before the fall, before he gave us free will and we messed it up. But our free will will be sealed as following him. Can't wait for that day. I hope you are secure in that day coming and can't wait for it either. When it comes to all this king stuff and it comes to Israel, it's interesting, their expression their expression of wanting a king for Israel was actually a rejection, not of Samuel as a judge, but really it was a rejection of God himself. And it's, if you go back and look at scripture, you're going to see all the way back in Deuteronomy, God plans for a king. He's ready for a king sometime along the way. It wasn't really the timing, but the people wanted their own way, wanted to be like everybody else. And so they demand a king. And we'll get to that point. And we see this. The Lord told Samuel, do what the people tell you. They have not rejected you. They've rejected me. They don't want me to be their king. And we, even those that said yes to Christ, can tend to do the same thing. Might not be in a great big proclamation, but it might be in one decision after another. Or one decision, a few decisions later, again, we're rejecting God as our king. But inside us, we have this innate need to have something beyond ourself for our lives to center on. And God made us that way with a yearning for him. Maybe we've tried to fill it with other things, other kings, or we continue to try to look in this direction. And again, none of us uh, do it do it perfectly. You see, eventually, hopelessness, we're going to see this from um, Hannah's life, eventually hopelessness and helplessness will always be found 
in seeking any other thing other than the flawless thing. Eventually, maybe not in that moment, maybe that new thing, that whatever, that direction kind of relieves a little bit of the hopelessness and the helplessness, but eventually that item, that person, that thing, that concept fails us, and the only one that can totally fulfill that forever and consistently is Jesus, the king of all kings. Jesus says it this way back in Matthew 6, 33 through 34. So above all, consistently chase after God's kingdom. Parentheses, that means his personal rule in your heart. He wants to rule one heart at a time. People will say, well, how do we change our society? How do we realign it to go in a certain direction? It's one heart at a time. Laws and legislation are helpful to some extent. But laws and legislation aren't needed if the heart changes. If everyone decides in their heart that activity, that behavior, or this activity, or that behavior is, is helpful, is beneficial, then they don't have to make laws. It's kind of funny. We have so many laws that some of them basically say the same thing. They're just layers upon layers upon layers. Jesus says, what, love God and love others. Uh, love God, love others, just be nice. If everyone just said, we're going to be nice today, there would be no need for all these laws. Just be nice. Think of the other person before yourself. Your personal, his personal rule in your heart and whatnot. And then the righteousness that proceeds from him. That's not being self-righteous, but that's living in a right way. Sometimes in this world, we're so caught up with saying something's right or something's wrong. We're saying that's judgmental. We say, Jesus says, do not judge. Well, what Jesus is talking is about, do not judge someone's heart, someone's eternal destiny. That's his role. You don't know whether someone has a relationship with God. You can see some evidence of it, but still you're not the one who does that. And I'm actually so thankful because I know there's some people in my life that, or in my world that might think that my heart's not right. And if they're the ones deciding, then I'm in big trouble. Then you're in big trouble. Jesus decides. But when you and I are transformed with our heart, when the heartbeat changes, when the heartbeat changes, our behavior changes. There's got to be a connection. It's not that our behavior earns our way to God. It does please him, but our behavior ought to change. We, if our heartbeat's different, then it should show different in our eternal life. Then all these less important things, which you need, will be given to you abundantly, those gifts, instead of the gift giver, uh, you know, that tension there. Refuse to worry about tomorrow, but deal with each challenge that comes your way one day at a time. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Now, that does not mean not to be aware of tomorrow. It doesn't mean to stick your head in the sand. It's don't let tomorrow and your worries for tomorrow control today. And some of us have to work very hard at not letting that happen. So we let tomorrow worry about itself and we deal with what's in front of us. We also are aware of tomorrow and plan for tomorrow, but we don't let tomorrow, which may never come, control 
So we get to 1 Samuel, and we're just going to introduce this. I had a little introduction. I had um, Maya and Adam. We're gonna, I was going to ask them a couple questions, but uh, uh, we're going to wrap things up because, you know, Frank said I only go an hour, and we're getting close to that hour. Now we're just going to walk. Oh, wow, we really are. Elkanah had two wives. Red alert, red alert, red alert. One was called Hannah, and the other one was called, I want to say, Panini, like I sing with, but it's not that way. <laughs> Panini had children, I'm stuck, and Hannah had none. Year after year, this man went up from his town to worship God and sacrifice before the Lord Almighty at Shiloh. And as the story unfolds, we find that uh, Hannah is just hopeless and discouraged and uh, helpless because she wants to have a baby. And some of us have been like that. Some of us may be living in that world right now. And it just stinks. And it's hard. And in our world, we can do all kinds of extra things. And sometimes those extra things help. And sometimes those extra things just stress us out and just mess with our bodies and all that kind of a thing. So uh, this is hard. But in this day and age, all your self-worth came from producing children. And uh, it just, you, you, you were, we were worthless in, in a sense. And Panini, <laughs> now you're going to start calling her that too. But anyway, she <laughs> just twisted the knife in Hannah's back constantly. Uh, we're going to see that the husband tried to make up for it by giving her a double portion of, uh, you know, sweet potatoes or whatever they were eating that day, you know, you know, and, uh, you know, and that obviously didn't, uh, you know, solve the problem. Sometimes men, we need to be a little bit more creative than that, you know, put some more something on our spouse's plate and think everything should be okay. And that's, that's what he does. But she get, really gets to this place where she is just uh, hopeless and heartless, or hopeless and helpless. And it is just really tough. She calls out to God. She, she cries and weeps. And in the story, she gets up early and she goes to the place of prayer and she is just heartbroken. She's doing the right thing. She's calling out to God. And uh, Eli, the high priest, sees her doing all of this and, and doesn't hear any words coming out of her mouth, just her mouthing her words and accuses her of being drunk, very offensive. And uh, she goes, no, 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 that's not me. I'm, I, I'm, I'm really, I'm just praying. I'm heartbroken. Uh, I'm hopeless and helpless. I want to have a child. Eli, in passion, says, may your prayers be answered. And it's amazing that uh, she doesn't know how our prayers are going to be answered. I, I want to be quite frank with you. You know, uh, sometimes you and I have this prayer request, and, and we put it before the Lord, and the Lord doesn't answer it the way he intends you to answer it. And Hannah doesn't know that. Yet it's interesting that Hannah goes home with renewed hope. She doesn't feel helpless anymore and then that gives her a joy a little bit of a bounce to her step and then later on God grants her 
the desires of her heart to have a little boy. Uh, the story goes on, and we're, we're going to pick it up next week. But so I, what I really wanted just to, to leave you with today, I, I encourage you to read through some of the passages, but I just, I'm just i going to leave you with the uh, bottom line here. And uh, let's see if I can get it on the screen. Let me click here. When you see the flawless king, your seeking can be over. And what I mean by that, even in an audience today, even in those looking on, if you get a glimpse of the flawless king, that's Jesus Christ, your seeking can be over. Your, your emptiness in your heart, that little peace, that eternity that's set in your heart that nothing else can fulfill can be over if you decide to follow him. Uh, again, God never forces himself on you. We like that and we don't like that, but he doesn't force himself. And your forever life can begin. Uh, Jesus says that uh, you know he came so that we can have abundant life and more abundant life. And the idea is that once we open our life up to God through Jesus Christ, once we say yes to him, once we say, Lord, I want your forgiveness, I want you in my life, that a new chapter of life can begin, and then that life ushers us into eternity. It's like God joins our life, the Holy Spirit joins us and joins our life. He's connected to us, and we walk arm in arm, even when we're not aware of it. We walk through this life, and we walk into the next chapter of life with him, which is eternity. And so when you think about Hannah, and it's interesting, when you see her response in Samuel, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 2, you see her little uh, joyful response. She writes a poem. It's very similar to Mary, the mother of Jesus' home. It's interesting. It's interesting that we start off with the need of a king, uh, even in Hannah's poem and then we see when david's life comes to an end he talks about a forever king that will sit on the throne of israel forever pointing to jesus someday and it all ties together so the question i'll leave you with is do you see the flawless king have you said yes to him have you placed your trust in him you can just express your uh, desire with a silent quiet heart prayer you can come talk with me talk with one of the leaders, talk with uh, someone that's been around church for a while. Uh, you can pick up one of these knowing God personally if you just kind of want to do it on your own and think about it quietly. And there's also a little booklet, How Good is Good Enough. And then you can have the seeking be over for that king, the king of your life. And your forever life can begin now and usher you through the rest of this chapter into the next chapter of life. Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you for your love to us. We thank you for the gift of your son. I would ask that all of us would see the flawless king. Some of us need to be reminded of the flawless king. Some of us need to allow you to continue to transform our hearts and let that be expressed on the outside. Renew our desire to live as you being our and then I pray for the person here or watching online uh, if they have not placed their trust in you, that their seeking would be over even in this moment today, that they would say yes to you and place their trust in you. We ask all of this in Jesus.